Greetings in Jesus' wonderful name. Faith in Jesus is the victory that overcomes the world. I'm encouraged with this uh, song and with our Sunday school so far. If you have your Bible, turn to uh, Psalm 34. This is a Psalm of David. And there's uh, quite a lot of wonderful truth packed in this psalm. What is it that we can learn from the Old Testament? Well, the book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 4, says there's at least three things that the Old Testament is to teach us. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. So as we study the Old Testament, it's my hope and prayer that this passage will teach us endurance or patience. It will encourage us and it will give us hope because we need those three things, don't we, for this week. We need encouragement, we need patience, and we certainly need hope. And David needed those and God was teaching him uh, those things and many others. Well, the psalm starts out with great praise, three verses of praise. It's also kind of a testimony. The first six or seven verses especially are testimony verses. And then the rest of the psalm is more of a teaching or a preaching. In fact, at one, one point he says, Come, children, listen to me. I'm going to teach you about the fear of the Lord. Maybe this teaching took place in a cave uh, to his family and to the 400 men that were gathered there. At least that's what happened after... Um, he left Achish, uh, who was the king of, of uh, the Phil one of the kings of the Philistines. His other name was Abimelech. In fact, some of your Bibles probably at the top have a Psalm of David when he pretended madness or insanity before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. Abimelech was kind of a, a phrase sort of like uh, the pharaohs. So the kings of Egypt were called the pharaohs. The emperors of Rome were called Caesars. Well, the, the Philistine kings were sometimes called the Abimelechs. And so Abraham met one of them years earlier. He was Abimelech, the pharaoh or the king. Anyway, this particular Abimelech of the Philistines was named Achish. And in 1 Samuel, you can read the full story. And after, after David was there, he... Uh, uh, went to this cave, must have been a large cave, where he lived with his family and his men because Saul was trying to destroy David. And this uh, search for David and trying to destroy him took, took place over probably eight or ten years. It was a long, drawn-out affair. And a number of the Psalms were written uh, out of that time of great distress, and this is one of them. So if you found the Scripture, uh, let's stand together. And read Psalm 34, I'll read. You can follow along in your Bible. And let's let this scripture teach us today. <clears throat> I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, 
And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man that desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. Father in heaven, we thank you for preserving the Bible, not only the New Testament, which we so enjoy studying, but also the Old Testament, and all these things in the Old Testament were written for our learning. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us from this passage of Scripture and give us patience and encouragement and hope even as David found his encouragement and his endurance and his hope by looking to you, I pray we would do the same today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As I studied this uh, psalm, I um, was especially drawn to verses 17 and 18. And maybe these two verses would be the text verses. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as a and save such as have a contrite spirit. At the top of uh, one of my Bibles is this phrase: "The happiness of those who trust in God." David just was bubbling over with joy in this psalm. And I thought I could title this message, Why Praise the Lord? I don't know why you would praise the Lord today. Maybe you have a long list of reasons. I guess there's as many reasons as there are blessings. And his blessings are so many, aren't they? But I, I tried to pick out uh, three, three blessings or reasons why to praise the Lord. Um, and the first, and using David's words here, David uh, said, he heard my cry, God hears. And that is a great blessing. And that's something to be really excited about, that we can pray to God anytime, any place about any situation, and he hears. Now, he doesn't always answer immediately. He doesn't always answer the way we want him to answer, but he does hear, and he answers prayer. And David experienced that. <clears throat> 1 Samuel 21 tells a story that uh, preceded this psalm. David arose and fled that day from before Saul 
and went to Achish the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him one to another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish. You may remember Goliath was from Gath. In fact, some of the uh, Jewish history that I was reading says that David uh, was especially afraid because these bodyguards, these servants of Achish, were saying, hey, isn't this the guy that killed Goliath? In fact, Goliath had some brothers, and they were part of the, putting this Jewish literature, they were part of the bodyguard of Achish. So David escaped uh, south from Israel into the land of the Philistine to get away from Saul, who was trying to kill him. And he was hoping that Achish would, would protect him. But he hears these servants, either directly or through, his serv- uh, through David's servants, he hears this conversation that, hey, isn't this David, the one that killed Goliath? He killed my brother. And so David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish. Maybe that relates to verse 4. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. He had some great fear that he was going to be killed because they wanted to kill him. So he did something very strange. He pretended he was insane. He was scratching on the gate. Well, let me just read it here from Samuel. He changed his behavior before them and pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate, and let the saliva fall down on his beard. And Achish said to his servants, Look, this man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that you have brought this man to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And he said, Get out of here. So David, instead of being killed, uh, he and his group, They uh, left that area and they found this cave to live in. This wasn't the end of David's troubles. Uh, If you read in Samuel, it just went on and on. I was um, had the opportunity this week to go through uh, those chapters in Samuel where Saul is just so determined to kill David. And David really learned to trust the Lord. Sometimes he didn't do it as well as others, just like us. But he was learning to trust the Lord. And out of, out of that uh, experience came this psalm. So why is David so cheerful? The first reason is that the Lord heard his prayer. The first verse actually could be looked at with a series of questions. Who? I, David. What? I will bless. I will bless whom? I will bless the Lord. I will bless when? At all times. I will bless how? Praising with my mouth, continually speaking, singing. And then I will bless why? And that's what we're trying to focus on here is why to bless the Lord. We'll bless the Lord because he hears us. Where do you cry for help? Where do I cry for help? There's a lot of places we can go for help. David went to his good friend, Jonathan. A lot of times we'll talk to a friend. 
and Jonathan was a good soul. He, he didn't really believe that his dad wanted to kill David, at least in the first part of Samuel. Uh, as you read those, as I was going through the, the stories, Jonathan said, my dad really doesn't want to kill you, David. David said, yes, he does. Good friends sometimes have a disagreement, don't they, on the problem. And later, Jonathan changed his mind because Jonathan threw his spear, uh, Saul threw his spear at Jonathan. He was so angry, he wanted to kill not only David, but at that moment, he wanted to kill Jonathan. And Jonathan realized, my dad really does want to kill David. So he went out in the field the next day. David was hiding, and they had prearranged this plan that Jonathan would shoot arrows, target practice, and the boy that would run to collect the arrows, if he said, the arrows are on this side of you, that meant it was okay for David to come back to Jerusalem. But if he said, the arrows beyond you go further, then it meant David had to leave. And so they went through that, and then um, the, Jonathan told the boy to take the arrows back, take, take my equipment back to Jerusalem, I'll come later. And David came out from where he was hiding and they made a covenant together that they would look after each other as best they could. But it was pretty clear that David had to leave. So he, he left and it was, it was a long separation. And so out there in the wilderness, in the Philistine country, in the cave, all these places he was, David couldn't really call out to Jonathan. Jonathan wasn't there. There was at least one other time that Jonathan went out and they talked together some years later, and that was probably their last conversation. But Jonathan a good, and all good friends, they can listen when they can. They can do a little, but they, they can't finally meet the deepest needs in our hearts. How about your pastor, your spiritual counselor? Is that a good person to call for help? Well, David did. He went to the priests of, of Nob, N-O-B. There was a, a number of priests there, and he said, we need some food. So they gave him loads of food and unfortunately Saul got word of it later and he killed 85 of these priests and their families it was just awful one one priest whose name was Abiathar escaped and he went out to David uh, there was another spiritual counselor that David looked to his name was Samuel but during this eight years or ten years of running from Saul during that time Samuel died and so even though spiritual counselors are such a help, they can't be there all the time. And they, they aren't like the Lord. But I called to the Lord, he said, and he heard my cry. Uh, how about asking your employer for help? That was, that's a good option sometimes for us, but it wasn't for David because his employer was Saul. He was Saul's personal musician. He was Paul, Saul's military worker, but he'd lost his job and he was running for his life. And how about his family? David's family was of some help, but at times they were jealous of him. And so finally, he at times got to where he had no one to encourage himself in but the Lord. And we do well to learn from this lesson that there's times that we just need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. In the junior Sunday school class last Sunday and today, we took the lesson to granddaddy's. I don't know if granddaddy's listening. He may be listening this time. But in that story that the juniors and intermediates uh, did so well today at granddaddy's house, there was a lady who cried out to Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed. 
I need help. And this went on and on, and the disciples said, Jesus, would you please tell her to go away? She's getting on our nerves. We're here to rest. Jesus had withdrawn 30 miles from the Sea of Galilee to rest in a house. But word got out, and this lady was outside, I think, outside the door, just crying and crying. And Jesus didn't answer a word, but she just kept crying. Good lesson for us. Keep crying to the Lord, even when we don't hear an answer. Because <clears throat> eventually, Jesus spoke to her, and he said, well... I'm really to help the Jewish people, not the Canaanite people. It's not right to give bread for the children to the dogs. And the lady with her great faith said, yes, but the dogs get to eat crumbs that drop off the table. And Jesus rewarded her great faith because she was crying out to the right source for help. In fact, her prayer got shorter so if your prayers on a particular situation are getting shorter, that's great. Keep praying. Her prayer got down to three words. Lord, help me. That was the last prayer she had, and that was enough of a prayer that Jesus answered. This, uh, this psalm, if you, if you glance over the verses, there's a number of places that David talks about how the Lord helped him. Verse 4, I already mentioned, I sought the Lord and he heard me. I'm sorry, there's several places he mentioned he, that the Lord heard him. Verse 6, this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him. Verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. And verse 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears. The Lord's ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. That's in Isaiah 59. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. So the Lord is able to hear, and the Lord is also able to help. That's the second point. There's a reason to praise the Lord for his hearing ear, and there's a reason to praise the Lord because he is able to help. And I, I couldn't uh, get done listing all the ways in this psalm, or in, in my life, all the ways God has helped me. Verse 4, he started, he delivered me from my fears. Verse 5, he puts a smile on my face. Uh, the King James, New King James that I read it from says, they looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. I found the easy to read version translates verse 5 this way. If you look to him for help, he will put a smile on your face. You will have no need to be ashamed. The Lord saved David, the Lord delivered David, the Lord sent angels to encamp around him. That's in verse 7. Angels have work to do in heaven, but they also have, it seems to me, a lot of work to do on earth because there's a lot of us with a lot of needs. In fact, we would probably be amazed if we saw all the angels that are gathered here today and that are around us as we go through uh, our tomorrow and next, next week. Hebrews 1.14 says that angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. There's all different ways that angels comfort and encourage and help us. We had a testimony in our Sunday school. Actually, there was a couple testimonies. Grandma's testimony was how the Lord answered her prayer, helping her change a tire years ago when she was driving from Bedford to Lynchburg and the tire started rattling and she didn't know how to change a tire. At least uh, 
as I understood the story, but God led her to stop where there was a house and a man who came out and just changed her tire on the car because the Lord was answering prayer. Sometimes we think we're seeing a human being answer the prayer. It might actually be an angel. There's some great stories in the Bible and from a time since the Bible where all of a sudden somebody realized, you know what? That really wasn't a person. That was an angel. So grandmama, maybe that was an angel that changed the tire out there along the way home. We don't know. But one thing we know is that there are angels and they're there to help us. Thank God for the blessing of angel help. Now, from verse 8 through the rest of the chapter, it seems like it's uh, switching from a personal testimony more to a teaching. And David's saying, I experienced all these blessings of God. God heard my prayer. God helps me in all these different ways. And I want you to I want you to experience that same blessing. I want to teach you the fear of the Lord because the fear of the Lord, Solomon wrote, is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is actually a worshipful attitude, a reverence. And it's interesting, verse 9 and 11 both talk about the fear of the Lord. Verse 9, O fear the Lord, you his saints, there is no want or no need to those who fear him. And 11, come you children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Well, David had just said, the Lord delivered me from all my fears. So the fear of the Lord, we could say, expels all the other fears. If we are in a right attitude and relationship with God, in a worshipful attitude, praising him, thanking him, respecting him, the other fears start uh, diminishing. Have you ever experienced that? And David's saying, I want to teach you about this. If you trust in the Lord, you fear the Lord, you will experience God's blessing. And there's something we should do with our, our words. Verse 13, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. I don't know if he was thinking from his own life. There were different times David wasn't really truthful. And when we're not truthful, things don't usually work out very well. In fact, usually one lie leads to another lie. And he was saying, if you want to move forward with your relationship with God, with your fears, getting God's help, you need to be truthful. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace. And pursue it. Sometimes our relationship with God isn't where it should be because we're living in bitterness or we're living in a bad relationship with others. In fact, Jesus said, when you come to worship God and bring your gift and you remember, oh, I've got something between me and someone else. He said, leave your gift, go back and get reconciled and then come and worship. So maybe, maybe these uh, verses 11 to 14 are really teaching us about seeking the good, turning from the evil, watching our words, working for peace. Well, we must move to our third point. First point was that the Lord hears me, and I'm so thankful, David said. The second is the Lord helps me. And the third... This is from verse 17 and 18. The Lord holds me. 
the word hold isn't in there, but the word near is. And there's this picture of David and God just being really close together. In fact, this word near doesn't, in the Hebrew, doesn't just mean proximity, but it means a personal close relationship. It's the same word that in the book of Ruth, where, where Naomi said to Ruth, this Boaz is our near kinsman. He's close to us. We're, we're related. And so, verse 18, the Lord is near. He's close. He's in a close relationship with those who have a broken or a cracked heart and save such as have a contrite or a crushed spirit. A broken heart and a contrite spirit, as I was reading the dictionary meetings of those words, were very similar. Broken uh, had to do with a, a, a cracked or into pieces, and contrite maybe had even more than that, just crushed into dust. The Lord is attracted to weakness. The Lord is attracted to cracked pots to people of dust, to people of clay, and that's us. Aren't we fortunate that he is willing to come and get close to us? Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. He describes this in his mission in Luke 4, 4, 18, where he's actually quoting from Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. God is impressed, he's blessed, he's drawn to a sacrifice from a broken heart. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise Psalm 51, 17. And then in Isaiah 57, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Oh, the great love of God through Jesus who was willing to come to our brokenness. Ruby Kitchen and James Martin Jr. wrote this song. And it's a bunch of questions and it really speaks to me. Have you failed in life's battles to accomplish your plans? Is your heart heavy laden? Do you fear the Lord's command? Do you, fear that no, do you feel that no one loves you and there's no use to try? Just bring your cares to Jesus. Your soul he'll satisfy. You may feel that there's no hope. Broken hearts just cannot mend. Though you're torn in many pieces, Christ can make you whole again. Storms of doubt blow in all directions, but don't you be afraid. God can make all corrections. He made a body out of clay. And then the chorus goes, pick up the broken pieces and bring them to the Lord. Pick up the broken pieces. Trust in his holy word. He will put them back together and make your life complete. Just place the broken pieces at the Savior's feet. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. 
he goes on. He says he guards all his bones, not one of them is broken. I never really spent much time meditating on this verse till this week. I was thinking about broken bones and thinking, does this verse apply to David? I think so. He got away from Achish. He got out to the cave. Yeah, mentally he was a bit bruised and maybe very crushed and in his spirit. Maybe he had some scratches on him, but he didn't have any broken bones. And in John 19, we know this verse also was pointing forward to Jesus, who although he was bruised and crushed and his lifeblood was shed for our sins, yet he had no broken bones. John 19 says, uh, it was decided that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath day. And the Jews asked Pilate that the legs might be broken so that... um, The bodies could die and be taken away. The soldiers came and broke the legs of the first criminal and of the other who was crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw he was already dead, they did not break his legs. See, Jesus had already given his life. Yet looked like he was murdered. And in a sense, he was by cruel hands. But he had said earlier, I'm laying down my life. So when the sacrifice was done after six hours of suffering, Jesus gave his life. He said, it is finished. The sacrifice was finished. So the soldiers came to Jesus and they saw he was already dead and they did not break his legs. One of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified John writing, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Quote, Psalm 34, not one of his bones shall be broken. Well, it also, I think, could apply to us. I was thinking at our house, there's four of us that had uh, car wrecks in the last five years, and all four of the vehicles were totaled but not one of us had a broken bone. Now, that was a blessing. I think there were angels in every, every situation. There may have been some little scratches, but there was not a broken bone. If you want more details on the, on the accident, you can ask any of us. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be glad to give you the details. But God protects us, doesn't he? He allows trials to only go so far. It's not to say that Christians never have broken bones or never have troubles. In fact, the next verse, uh, or the verse right before 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. And David had plenty of troubles after he escaped from Achish. And we will have plenty of troubles too, but God will limit those trials. He will limit those temptations just as he did even in Jesus' case. He did not allow a bone of Jesus' body to be broken. I'm not sure what all the significance of that is. I'd love to hear your thoughts about it after church. I thought maybe one significance is that the sacrificial lambs in the Old Testament, they, they shed their blood and they died, but their bones weren't broken. Maybe Jesus was fulfilling that uh, Lamb of God picture. I'm not sure. But the take home for us, I believe, is that God holds us just as he held Jesus. And his hands are good hands to be held in. Jesus said, it is finished. 
He also said, into your hands, I commend or I commit my spirit. And that's a good response for us as we think about Jesus holding us. We need to be willing to just place ourselves in God's hands. Jesus said in John 10, My sheep listen to my voice, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hands. My Father who has given them to me is greater than me, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hands. I'm so glad that God protects us and gives us security in Jesus. It's not in ourselves, but it's in Jesus and what he has done and what he is doing. So I pray and hope that you can be encouraged. You can be comforted and given hope and patience and endurance from this scripture. And you can be motivated, as, as I've been in studying it, to cry out to God, knowing that he does hear, to trust in him, knowing that he does help, and just to rest in him, knowing that he is holding us in his hands. Amen. God bless you.